Mayen Vigedet, which, as I'm sure you know, is Luxembourgish for hello, how are you? Because today we're chatting to one of my oldest and smelliest friends from Luxembourg, Mr. Saman Reservoir. And in this conversation, we discuss making the leap of faith from the sweet, sweet comforts of Luxembourg to make a whole new life on the other side of the world, the difficulties of making new friends as an adult, we'll blame it on being an adult rather than our terrible personalities, having to give up a decent level of rugby to start a business, some of the lesser discussed benefits of having a side hustle, and a very simple phrase that had a profound effect on Saman's life. And unfortunately, no, it wasn't. It's your round now, Saman. That still doesn't seem to have much of an impact. But Prost, merci, and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Saman. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We should probably manage expectations here. Yeah. that you are very jet-lagged and had about three hours sleep last night. And I had a, a choking session. I mean, a BJJ session this morning. <laughs> so you're pretty tired. Um, yeah. I had a fairly punchy day at work, uh, recording this straight after work. So, I mean, not that expectations will be particularly high for this anyway, but this chat will probably be very substandard even by our standards. <laughs> it's like, what are we even talking about here? Um, name? Where you're from. And what's your favourite holiday destination? Oh, okay. So my name is Saman Rezapour. Um I'm from I'm from Luxembourg, but I don't current I don't live there anymore. I currently live in Canada. In Victoria, BC. It only took you one minute to get that in. Yeah. And then um favourite holiday destination? I, I feel like there's more to the where you're from. You have like sure. a... uh, yeah okay. Do you want me to go into yeah more yeah, deep? yeah yeah so need something to talk about yeah okay. Born raised in Luxembourg. My mum is French. My dad is Iranian, and yeah, that's not much else to say to be honest. Love it. Yeah, and, and you're basically Canadian these days. Yeah, I'm gonna get citizenship next year. So, a <laughs> uh, and favorite holiday station. It's it's a weird way to ask that question because. I've travelled. Hang on, hang on. If you've got a problem with the question, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I don't like how you asked me that question. <laughs> no microaggression. Yeah, literally triggered. <laughs> no, it's because um, I've obviously travelled, but I've never actually considered them as holiday. I don't know holidays. It's weird. So no, maybe ma- travel. I don't know. Life. Yeah, like 2018. Was it 2018? No, it wasn't. No, 2008. Yeah. Okay. I'm tired, can you tell? Um, Favorite travel destination? I'm going to say Iceland. Number one reason why? Scenes, women, beers. (laughs) None of the two, last two. (laughs) It was was a 10-day road trip around the island on my own, um, just camping and... um, yeah, it was just the scenery. I didn't see a single, like, I barely saw anyone, which was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you drive for, like, hours on end without seeing even a car. And, uh, yeah. That was the opposite of your experience in to, London today. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, yeah, and then you just sort of, yeah, alone in, like, nature. And it's just, mm. like, it just makes you feel so, so small. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, Actually, it was just a humbling experience. It, yeah. it was great, yeah. So I'm going to put Iceland up there. So you say it's more like genuine, like in a good way. Yeah, yeah, because you're sort of surrounded by this like vast, like these massive waterfalls or like mountains or whatever there are. And, and like, yeah, there's no one around you and mm. you're just there and it's just like... That's sort of what I seek when I go outdoors and yeah. hike and stuff, you know? Do you find that gives you a bit of perspective to your existence? Is it a bit of an ego diluter? I don't know about ego diluter, but it does give me... It allows me to give, get a, like, take a step back from yeah. life, basically, and just realise that everything's so insignificant. In, 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 That's huge. Yeah. yeah, and it's I love that that feeling. Yeah. And just allows you to get, you know, you're, you're disconnected. There's no, there's no network there, right? Like cell network or anything. So you just so, you're disconnected from the world, literally. And it just allows, gives you that mental space to be with your own thoughts. Mm. And um, at times be bored, which is actually like interesting. Because I think as people, we, we've forgot what being bored is like. Mm. So it's actually quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you always been a big traveller or is it more since your big move over to Canada five years ago? Yeah, nearly five. It's been four and a half years, yeah. Um, have I been a big traveller? Um, yes and no. I don't like how you ask that <laughs> question. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, so the with rugby, with national... So just people who are listening... Um, I played with the national Luxembourg national team for over ten years. Drop that one in. Yeah, captain <laughs> as well. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Humble yeah. brag. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, that allowed me to travel quite a bit because yeah. we played against like so many different countries in in Europe. Um, and given it's just like a two three day weekend, but it's still traveling, you get to see like different countries and stuff. So um, definitely enjoyed that. But I think what the actual traveling for the sake of traveling mm -hmm. when that started was actually when I came back to Luxembourg from studying um, because uh, I got a job in Luxembourg and it's you know well paid and <laughs> straight out of university you get like six weeks of holidays which mm -hmm. is like especially now that I'm in Canada I realize like how that's how insane that is mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know in Canada you get it's better than the US but you get only two weeks a year on average of Brutal. holidays yeah yeah um, so you get six weeks, get all this money. And so, you know, naturally you're going to, you know, you're single and you're just going to travel, you know? And yeah, I think that's how it kind of started. And, um, that was how like the photography started actually, because I started traveling and I kind of want to like take photos and, and then, yeah. So, yeah. Cause you left obviously Luxembourg to move up, uh, to Canada. You mentioned the photography, um, I suppose, well, business literally that you run now. Now, now yeah. Talk to me and talk to everyone about some of the reasons behind leaving a pretty cushy life in Luxembourg to take the plunge to start your own thing, go to a completely different continent, a country that you'd never been to. Never been to before. And take that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, so to give some context, um, so I'd, I'd finished my master's degree in London and I actually kind of wanted to stay in London after that, but... Being a student in London is is like rough financially, <laughs> and it left me probably broke the brokest I've ever been before, and um, I didn't man manage to get a job in time 
to make that transition. So naturally, you know, like so many of us have done probably is you just go back to live with your parents, mm. which in that case for me, it's, it was back in Luxembourg. And um, luckily through, uh, you know, having been, you know, lived a chunk of my life there, you sort of already have like a bit of a network already in Luxembourg. And through that network, I fairly easily found, you know, my first job essentially. And, you know, Luxembourg being Luxembourg, it happened to be in a bank, yeah. you know, shockingly. Um, and um, so, yeah, it, I, I did not like the job. Mm. It wasn't something I, I saw myself doing on the long term. Definitely not. Um, so at the same time, I was sort of exploring, you know, different jobs I could maybe do. I was applying to a lot of marketing jobs, even though I'd never studied marketing, but I felt compelled to what, like towards just because it felt more a bit more creative, creative yeah. you know, so um, I could see myself doing that kind of job. And yeah, so I like definitely embellished my, my resume to try and get a job. But even even that wasn't enough because in Luxembourg, it's marketing jobs aren't that common. Yeah. And the ones that are, it's like they require you to have like five plus years of experience and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So I never ended up getting getting I got interviews and stuff, but just never got through. Um, so that was like that put me down quite a bit and I just wasn't getting anywhere. You know, I was just trying, trying and it just wasn't happening. And so it got to the point where after three and a half years, I was like, I need to do something about this. Um, so on top of that as well, you're sort of, we spoke about this earlier, like yesterday is that you're, you're not only like miserable in your job and mm. it's, things aren't working out for you, but also you're surrounded by people who, for the most part, are also miserable. <laughs> Even though they don't say directly, you can you can just tell, you know. And it's the I I hated you know the the you know classic. You get to work on Monday mornings, and you know you, you know small talk. You're like, oh, how are you doing? And and like everyone's like, oh, you know, it's Monday. And then get come to Friday, and you ask the same question, and everyone's like a bit happy. They're like, oh, it's Friday, you know. And I and I hate <laughs> it. It's like people are living for the weekend literally, yeah. and it's like. You're, you you're, you don't like your job, you're miserable because mm. you wouldn't be, you know, happy on a Friday and miserable on a Monday, you know. Mm. Um, that's at least how I saw it. And so being surrounded by that neg negativity also like affected me and I was like, I t you know, I don't want to be that person in 10 years. Yeah. And there's more to life than wishing away yeah. more than half your week. Yeah, and it, yeah. there's more to life than having a cushy like job with a good salary and six weeks of holidays and mm. all the benefits and stuff. So yeah, essentially I was like, okay, I need to do something different and, and not just, you know, move to a different country, like next door or something. I need mean, like mm. do something completely different and, and far away and just re kind of restart, like reset. Yeah. Um, and just to, yeah. sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah. because I think it is good context to add as well is that because you'd grown up in Luxembourg, obviously gone to school there, mm -hmm. worked different summer jobs there, played rugby there, went on lots of nights out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had a really strong, network of people there you knew lots of people mm. obviously the salaries in Luxembourg are mm. just ridiculous expect well at all levels but an entry level yeah it's so tempting so it's such a um hard thing to leave a pretty cushy job mm. a pretty comfortable life you know good setup in terms of lots of friends yeah captain of the national team mm -hmm. so yes um on one hand it doesn't sound like a big commitment to throw away what you mm. had but actually mm. there was a lot of um things about it that were temp tempting just to be like you know what this is actually pretty cushy yeah oh so many things it was yeah i basically like sacrificed everything that i had in luxembourg to to for change yeah and uh 
you know, but at the end of the day, bottom line is like the, the is that change is good because mm. uh, change gets you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's why you grow as a person, right? And back then I didn't necessarily know that, but I found that out when I moved in afterwards and, and to this day. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I sort of, I don't remember exactly how I got the idea of Canada. Um, I think somehow I figured, because I got a French passport, I somehow figured that, um, so Canada has like agreements with certain countries to do, to do like these um, one or two year um, working holiday visas. Uh, so I, I figured that you, um, I could do that with my French passport for two years and it was fairly easy to, to get through and, and get it. So that's what I did. I was like, Canada is amazing. I've, I've actually never been there. I've always kind of wanted to travel there and for travel's sake. But um, I was like, well, well, I'm in this position right now where I'm ready to leave. Why not just move there and see what it's like to live yeah. there? And, you know, worst case scenario, I don't, I don't like it, which wasn't the case, but I don't like it. I go back, come back to Lux and, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so you kind of said, you know, now that going out your comfort zone is often like a positive thing. Mm. You didn't know it at the time. So mm. what was that kind of catalyst to make you do that change? Was it, were you genuinely, um, maybe sounds extreme, but were you struggling like mentally? Were you that miserable? Was it just the day to day life was just grinding you down that it was almost like you had to move as in, was it almost mm. reactive to that or was it proactive to be like, you know what? change is good or did, mm. is that is that more of like you post rationalizing it i think it was i think it's the the former where yeah i just was trying and trying to like make changes within within luxembourg right but it just mm. wasn't happening for me you know and there's there's a point where you just sort of got to draw the line and be like how much longer am i going to try to get a job in marketing for example yeah. or or you know um yeah and so and I guess also we'll get into the photography side of things, but yeah. at that stage, it was still very much so a hobby. But I feel like Luxembourg also doesn't isn't an environment conducive to like starting your own business. Yeah. And there's I've read recent articles about it as well. It's like it's not a very entrepreneurial country. It's not. It's not. So in hindsight, it, it wasn't also the right environment for me to even pursue that. Yeah. So uh, I think. But even the school we went to, European school, oh. they almost. Um, teach you in a way that just tries to get you back into that European Commission or the Parliament. Oh, There's no business studies or entrepreneurship type nothing. stuff. But even it? the creative part of things. Yeah. Like I, I remember, like short story. Um, so I, I took two years of economics at, at European school, and, and my teacher, she's like, like a really old school teacher. Like she's actually really old, and she's like very old school mentality. And um, I remember this one class. She'd asked around the class, I think it was one of the first weeks of getting, of doing economics, she was asked everyone what, and this was like probably last two years of school. So we were like, what, 16, 17. So we already started having an idea of like where we wanted to go directional, you know, career wise, at least, you know, so I think that's why she asked, she asked, what do you want to pursue as a career after school or, you know, after high, after university? And, um, and back then I genuinely had still aspirations of like becoming pro with rugby and, I, I told her, I said, like, like professional rugby player, like being like genuinely yeah, yeah, yeah. serious. And she literally like replied, like had a like, like a laugh, like a quick, like sort of laugh. It's like, and she said, no, but really, like, what do you really want to be? 
and like that trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My progression. Literally, I was like, I, I, I absolutely hated her. Yeah. Yeah. But just to tell you, it's like. And that was almost representative of the mentality. No, no, no. You have to follow yeah. the standard structured career it, path. Exactly. Go do school, yeah. do university, and then get nine to five, basically. Yeah. yeah. Which is. Excuse my French bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I feel like you've always felt that a little bit towards the nine to five. Like you were always quite entrepreneurial, dare I say, because you had the built on thing. Yeah. So. Going on as well when yeah. you're in Luxembourg, which side note was absolutely delicious. <laughs> it was genuine, unreal. Um, yeah. So that's interesting you bring that up. I think it was. Oh, you like that question, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. First <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Um, yeah, I think honestly. Um, that was, that was sort of a, kind of a release from the my nine to five. Yeah, it like enabled me to do my own thing. Yes, and it, you know it, it could have it could built it was built on but it could have been anything. But it was just that sort of I'm running my own business. I'm doing my thing, and I think at the end of the day, it's I think it's me thing. I just <laughs> I I absolutely hate being told what to do. Mm. So like, um, I've had better managers and uh, worse ones, but just manage the worst ones like breathing down my neck I absolutely hated that yeah. and it, it's just um, I, I'm, I'm thriving right now in doing you know I'm running my own business I, I can do whatever I want and create my own schedule and I absolutely love that you know it's such an interesting point about the biltong um, or just a side hustle in general yeah. being quite a nice escape yeah. from just the at sometimes nonsense of the corporate world and the politics and just the dynamics there is mm-hmm. because when you're just doing your own thing yeah. and like I'm using like, well even this for example mm-hmm. or like the blog whatever um plug blogs and dogs talk, <laughs> check it out no but um obviously it's, it's not to make any money it's just to do as a hobby but yeah. it's so nice to have something oh, yeah. where you don't have anyone telling you mm-hmm. what to do and it's almost an escape from the sometimes just yeah. ludicrous corporate yeah. world when you're like what the fuck is going on here yeah and in the kind of way sure you know you're running your own business, mm. but actually like in a kind of way, it's, it's kind of a creative outlet mm. because you can do what you want with it and be creative with it yeah. and, you know, run it however you want it to be run. And it's kind of a creative mm. outlet. Yeah. In a sense, um, even if it's not necessarily whatever creative service that you offer, yeah. you know, whatever, but did you learn a lot from the built on, um, venture that you then applied later to your photography? I'm sure I did, but yeah. but not much. Like, yeah, it was very like low key. Uh, yeah, you know, I was mostly selling to people, you know, people I knew, and yeah. I didn't really put in that much money into it or anything like that. So, yeah. um, I think it more than anything, it it kind of planted that seed for me of like, oh, this is what it's like to kind of run your own business. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. So that like pl- planted the seed, and and then I, you know, it's funny that. Um, just on a side note, I um, I'm part of this like ne- networking group um, back in Victoria, and um, it's honestly more group therapy than anything, and, and it's it's amazing. It's like once a week, and um, someone brought up uh, this analogy, which um, myself and a lot of other members absolutely loved. It's you like, should have taken the credit for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm too honest. <laughs> yeah. So I came up with this idea. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's this uh, it's bit a business garden where you plant seeds in this garden and just sort of let it do its thing and then you can reap the rewards or the fruits if you if you will when they grow it could be like in a month it could be in two years Mm. but you sort of plant those seeds 
and just let them be and mm. depending that, on how much you water it yeah and you have to take it. care yeah, yeah nurture exactly yeah and uh, yeah. that's i think what i did with the built on things like is, is that first seed and then i sort of took nurtured when went back to canada and like it yeah. grew into my photography business basically and what's interesting to stay on that analogy mm-hmm. is that it's also really important the environment that you're in so for example luxembourg isn't the most entrepreneurial place mm. so even if you had this business garden if it's all in the metaphorical shade then regardless of how much water mm. you put on it it's never going to grow 100% whereas if you're in Canada it feels like culturally it's kind of promoted and applauded to be more entrepreneurial oh, yeah. and therefore you get that community of people For sure. and it's kind of like a self-fulfilling oh cycle. 100% like you're spot on it's um yeah it's so conducive to to you know starting a business and mm. and yeah as you said the community there that that sort of entrepreneurial community is is so much more of a thing and yeah. um yeah you tap into it you know you sort of um it's it's interesting on that note i so th- this year i started like networking in a bit more in europe um to you know on the long run try and maybe get more projects in europe and so most of the people my network in europe have a nine-to-five and aren't entrepreneurs, right? Mm. And when I reached out to them, not soliciting any work directly, but just, you know, hey, how's it going? Just like, just to reconnect, literally. Um, and, you know, some of them, you know, we just kept chatting for a bit and then I was like, then eventually I was like, hey, if you know of any, any you know, any people in the business that could use my services, you know, I'd love us to, for you to connect to us, you know? And just such a different attitude. It's, it's, they were more reactive in the sense like, yeah, sure. And I'm sure that if something came along their way, then they'd be like, then they'd refer me. But as, as opposed to in Canada, you know, if I would have done the same, at least with my business network, they'd be more proactive about it. They'd actually like brainstorm and be like, okay, mm. uh, oh yeah, I know this, this person and they might be interested and like do the connection anyway, you know, the intro anyway. Mm. So it's just such a different mentality. Um, and yeah, there's, yeah. So it, it was just just such a great sort of move to, to, to start my business in Canada. And that weekly community group that you yeah. go to, is that fellow entrepreneurs? Yeah. How did you get involved with it? And what's the kind of setup? Do you just literally brainstorm ideas? Do you practice yeah. presenting? Like what's the kind of structure of it? So it's, yeah, so it's, um, it's other entrepreneurs in, in Victoria. Um, there's, uh, there is, you, the the policy is that you you can't have two of the same businesses. Okay. So you can't have like two photographers or two realtors. So one of each, just to sort of yeah um, be more conducive to like referrals, basically, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, the the setting is um, one of the members is uh, runs a well used to run a, a graphic design studio and now now she runs a a wood puzzle. Um, company and oh, cool. uh, yeah she's thriving which is unreal but she has a studio space with like couches and stuff and she hosts us and we're anything between 10 and 20 people every week mm. and it's just couches a super chill setting and yeah. um, we get we bring coffee and it's literally like a circle and we just sort of talk and yeah. the structure of it is for the first half an hour everyone goes around has like a minute or two to um, sort of quickly introduce themselves even though we know each other but just a quick intro and then <laughs> name where you're from yeah. favorite holiday destination exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and also share, you know, um, a win or like something that, you know, why they're awesome is what we say, you know, why are you awesome? You know, why should we refer you basically? Um, and then once that's over, uh, basically we choose, uh, what we call a round table topic Mm. for the for the last hour, which is, it could be anything. It could be like a random topic, but it could be also if one of us is struggling with something in their business, then we'll bring it up and then that could be the topic. And then we all sort of pitch in, we all sort of, you know, um, put like give our input or our experiences and, um, more often than not that person or more than one person walks out of this meeting with like a nugget or mm. something. And it's just like amazing. And sometimes we just like talk about stuff and it's literally, like I said, like group therapy, it's, it's amazing. It's like such a good, you know, thing to have once a week. Yeah. So good. It's, it's funny culturally. Um, I imagine the outlook towards that in somewhere like Canada or North America, and then how that would be perceived in maybe Britain, mm-hmm. like it feels like there'd be a way more positive outlook to something like that in Canada. Whereas like in Britain, if you're like, oh, I go to this weekly entrepreneur workshop, we tell each other or we introduce why we're awesome. Yeah. And it's people be like, oh, really? Yeah. What the fuck? Are you really? Doing? Yeah. I think there's a way more negative, uh, cynical oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, environment towards things like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I've obviously never, you know, worked Work, or done yeah, business yeah. in the UK. So yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Not to overgeneralize. No, of course. And of co- of like, sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I can see that maybe. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, basically from everyone listening, you're an anchor. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, yeah. so obviously we've touched on it. We flirted with it. Photography. How did you get into it? Because you didn't go to Canada specifically for photography. It was more a byproduct of the move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did I get into it? So, um, so it, it started after I got a major injury in rugby, basically. Uh, I think it was 2015 and I tore my Achilles, um, got surgery like a few days later and basically was literally bed bound for, for six weeks mm. or like bed bound for like three, four weeks and then slowly got back on my feet kind of thing. But I was home back, like I was at home for six weeks and, um, and before that had happened, I'd already actually booked two and a half weeks in Indonesia, for example, and, um, end up having to cancel that. But essentially my plan was that once I got back up on my feet was to like, you know, sort of just travel as much as I could with the holidays I got. And at the same time as traveling, I kind of want to document it or I take photos, you know, as I go to these amazing places. And so that's where I was like, okay, um, let's buy a camera. And that's kind of how it's really started, how it, you know, yeah, how it all started. And back then, I, you know, it was just purely a hobby. I was mm. not even was so far from even considering making money out of it. And, you know, actually like my first trip post, so post, post injury was, um, I think it was, it was Iceland actually. And I didn't even have a camera then. It was, I literally went with my iPhone and just took like iPhone photos. Um, and, and then I was like, okay, I definitely need a camera. And, and a month later I had scheduled, um, a trip to Scotland. And so I bought my first camera for that trip in Scotland. Um, but yeah, so from there I just sort of took photos, uh, as I was traveling. And then right before I moved to Canada, uh, one of my good friends, Sarah was just about to launch her, uh, yoga practice and so she obviously saw that I was taking photos and stuff and video and uh, she asked me if she, if I could take photos and some video snippets for her her new website and I was like yeah of course without even considering taking any payment you know yeah. it's just like she's a friend obviously I'm gonna do it so I did if I did the photos for her and everything and then she was like okay how, how much do I owe you and I was like 
what do you mean? Like nothing. You don't owe me anything. She's like, no, no, no. I'm a hundred percent paying you for this. And I was like, I was like, just donate whatever you feel comfortable donating, you know, Mm -hmm. but that sparked something. And it was right before moving to Canada. So I was like, oh, I can, I can make money out of this. And I paid for my flight, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of grand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, I love doing this. I could get paid for it. And basically I, I left to Canada with that in mind. Nice. So that's how it started. And then, yeah. Because, and sorry to interrupt, but the photos that you were taking initially on your iPhone in Iceland. Yeah. And then uh, later on an actual camera sure. in Scotland. What were you doing with these? Were you uploading them to Instagram? Like, how did she know? Yeah, I think back then, yeah, it was only Instagram. Just Instagram. I, I don't even know if I had a website back then. I yeah. might, might have had a website by the time I, w- I left to Canada. I might have already okay. had a website. But yeah. yeah, it was just Instagram, basically. And was that just to friends or did you have any sort of following of people no, who you didn't know I, I don't even think i had like i don't even think i had a thousand followers <laughs> didn't even have any friends no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like followers. <laughs> yeah no i mean i don't even remember what the lay of the land was with yeah. instagram back then like so different than today yeah. but um yeah it wasn't even my mind to post to get followers it was just a post to share with my friends and my community whatever you know we should plug it saman reservoir photography is that the right handle <laughs> no <laughs> Don't follow that one. <laughs> no, uh, Instagram handle is uh, Saman RZPR. Oh, is that it? Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll plug it again at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I left Canada with that in mind. Um, obviously not a business yet. So, you know, moved to Canada, obviously had to take a night, like, you know, find nine to five. But um, in parallel, I was well on the way to like sort of build that business and, you know, at the same time as, you know, working <clears throat> nine to five and, uh, yeah, initially started by just doing some photos for friends, you know, like whatever. I did like an engagement shoot. I did like a maternity shoot. I did a couple of weddings. Um, and then that sort of evolved into doing some more commercial stuff, um, which is what I'm doing today. It's, it's commercial, not sort of for individuals. Um, and yeah, yeah. And that transition, um, because it's, it, it's very easy... Uh, I suppose for people looking in from the outside and be like, fucking hell, he's he smashed it, that super smooth trajectory mm. from just starting to now. Mm. Um, what were some of the challenges that you had to go through in terms of building up that? And it, because if you're doing that side hustle on top mm. of a nine to five, that feels like quite all consuming. Was that difficult or because you loved it so much, did you... Um, not finding that channel. What? How do you reflect yeah. on that? Um, so first of all, the the first move I did to you know f- find more time is I actually like hung up my boots. Like I stopped playing rugby because uh, I couldn't do it. Like have a nine to five, play rugby, and also try and like build a business yeah. at the same time. It was just too much. So I stopped playing rugby, which you know freed up a bunch of time, which allowed me to sort of focus a bit more on the photography side of things, um, and then. Yeah, I think the goal initially was to build my portfolio. So that was my initial goal. And the way I did it was um, I was very dead set on, I already knew very much like what what kind of clients I wanted to attract on the long term. And it was really, I wanted to work with clients in the outdoors industry. So outdoors, travel, tourism, but like really like outdoor, outdoor sports. Um, so from the get go, I wanted, I knew how I wanted my portfolio, my website to look like, because I basically said to myself, 
you know, who's, who would be my ideal client? And I was like, okay, let's say Patagonia or Arcteryx or someone like that. I was like, okay, let's say I'm the, whatever, the marketing director at Patagonia. It's like, and I come across my website. What would I want to see? And so reverse engineer kind of, kind of that way. And so I, I, you know, it was a slow process, but I built my portfolio to reflect that essentially. Um, and maybe along the way, I might've like lost some clients and stuff because yeah. they might've been like, oh, well, this guy only does outdoor stuff. Yeah. And, but you know, that's just how it is. And even today, my portfolio reflects that. And sometimes I, when I'm talking, just, you know, on a side note, I take very different clients. You know, I don't do only outdoors. I, you know, I do... I've done an engineering firm or like an indoor, you know, diffuser, you know, so it's very, very, very kind of clients, but I sometimes have to like clarify that in the sort of uh, onboarding process. Like I, I do also do other kind of shoots. I just don't put it out there in my portfolio. So then I send them like all the links um, just to sort of not confuse any potential new clients that could be an outdoors client kind of yeah. thing just to be like, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was the first step is like build my portfolio the way I want it to be. And then from there, you know, it's, it's just honestly like uh, being in Victoria is, is just referrals and networking and just yeah. getting to, cause I, I went there, I didn't know a single person. Yeah. And so like growing that network helped so much. Um, and yeah, just getting to know people and. Did that come natural to you? Um, getting out, putting yourself out there, getting to know people, uh, networking, or did you find that difficult to do? No, it definitely didn't come natural to me. I. I so another thing is like there was COVID in these four years, which did yeah. not help. But yeah, sure, of course. Pre-COVID, I I was very much like an introvert, mm. and then COVID made me more of an extrovert. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because essentially, and and so it relates much to the business <laughs> side of things because, you know, it made me sort of be more outgoing and sort of you know, open and wanting to meet people and and all that from yeah. both personally and and in business, but. Um, yeah, on that note, it's just like COVID. Basically, I was I was craving like being so being social and and you know seeing other people, and I didn't really get a chance to do that before COVID because I, I had like maybe a year in Canada before COVID hit, mm. so I didn't really build a group of friends or anything. So as soon as COVID was gone, I was like, I am so ready to meet new people and make new friends. So it made me like an extrovert in that sense, and and it translated into the business side of things. I was like networking more like chit-chatting more like meeting new people yeah. and how did you go about doing that because I, I feel like it's hard to make friends as like an adult as a fully grown adult it's really hard it's to make so new hard. friends yeah did you what was your approach was it like joining a new gym for mm. example was it googling like networking events <laughs> how to make friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you been looking at my uh, google <laughs> yeah, history search history yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> No, I mean, to this day, it's still hard. Like, I'm still struggling to make friends, honestly. Um, but there's two factors that one is, I think, is the age thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But also Victoria in itself is actually, I've heard it from others, it's, it's a very difficult place to make new friends. Um, just because it's like, there's different groups of people. There's like the locals who were born and raised there and sort of stick together, very cliquey. And then there's, there's the university, the University of Victoria. And they, the students stick together. So they're very clicky. And then there's like a third group, which is, which is everyone else who typically are not from the island mm. and, and sort of they try and find each other. And it's not that easy actually. Like to, and, and oftentimes they're very transient as well. You know, they sort of come for a few years and then leave. So yeah. that makes it really hard as well. Uh, but to answer your question more directly, um, how did I do it? I was, thankfully, by that time, I'd already, um, 
I was already sort of behind with like I wasn't doing a nine to five. I was sort of working for myself already, which okay. allowed me a, a way more flexible schedule. Right. Which basically allowed me to be, I guess what you would call is more of a, like a yes man of like, you know, say if one afternoon a friend would be like, hey, let's go, uh, you know, do this short hike for like an hour. Like, let's go in half an hour. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. I just, unless I obviously have like a client meeting or a shoot, I'd be like, drop everything and, and like just go and do it. Because that friend might bring another friend that I don't know. That's really interesting because you hear the term yes man mm-hmm. and it has kind of negative connotations oh, that you're a bit of like a pushover. You can't oh, stand up for yourself. Sure, yeah. But in that context, that's really interesting. Yeah. It was more like a, fuck it, I'm just going to yeah. go head first into whatever opportunity yeah. Yeah, it's, um, presents it's itself. I love and, that. And I guess the, like, the overarching theme with that is you alone create your own opportunities yeah. and that's not going to happen by just staying inside and by yourself. It's so true. And so that's why it's like, okay, I need to create those opportunities, whether it's business or making new friends or whatever it is, you know? And so part of it is, yeah, you want to go on a hike with, with me and this other friend in half an hour? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. And that made, that was a priority and still is to a certain degree today. It's like, you know, or Hey, last minute this weekend, do you want to go camping for two days? Uh, you know, yeah. if I don't have any, any like concrete commitments, I'll be, I'll be like, yeah, let's go. I, I love that. I think yeah. that's such a um, positive outlook to have. Yeah. Obviously, the downside of that is you can potentially wear yourself out and um, yeah. burn out on top of everything else. But yeah. just take today, for example. Yeah. I was like, you fancy jujitsu? You're like, I'm in. Oh, yeah. Up at six, whatever it yeah. was, to do it. And yeah. then coffee, you met someone for brunch, Covent Garden. Yeah. Um, uh, you went to the history museum. Mm-hmm. You were just like, let's just get stuck in, yeah, exactly. try things, and it might always be great, such as our coffee date. Yeah. But no, but yeah. like, um, but yeah, I think that's such a yeah. positive outlook to have. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you don't try, you won't know, yeah. or you won't, you know. So you yeah. have to put yourself out there in some way. And do you think? So funny enough, going back to your point about Iceland and um, I suppose feeling small and insignificant. Mm. Mm. Do you reckon that ties in together? Because you're like. Because I feel like a lot of people, I'm speaking from my own experience, mm-hmm. probably like the thought of jumping into various different things and hobbies and mm-hmm. activities, but almost don't because of the fear of looking stupid mm-hmm. or being rejected or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon there was any tie in there that you just almost some sort of, maybe not like a complete realisation, but a mm-hmm. gradual realisation that we're so insignificant that no one really fucking cares anyway. No so just, yeah. Um, I'm sure there is like parallels, yeah. but at least for me, uh, I don't think I can necessarily draw the parallel between that yeah. and, and um, the, you know, who cares? Like just get out, out there. What, what, what did it for me, I think is more so, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like just over time, mm. um, just doing a lot of work, with you know mental health and everything and just just inner work and all that is is um just being okay with like who who i am and and just sort of you know they say like just speaking my truth and just setting myself boundaries my own boundaries like all those little things put together mm. made it so that it, like i genuinely don't don't care yeah you know what whoever you know if i do something or i say something i don't care what that person thinks or says anymore yeah. it's like what does it matter? You know, that's a good place to be. Yeah. It's, it's still work in progress, of course, but, yeah. but like, yeah, it's sort of, 
it's changed a lot. Like, yeah, that, that used to sort of get into my, I used to get in my own head yeah. about it, like way more than I do today. And I can imagine, and again, like, I'm not sure if there are yeah. parallels at all, but um, when you, when you see the result of not doing that, mm. and that might be stuck in a rut, whether mm. that's career-wise, health-wise, whatever it is, mm. it's almost the whole Luxembourg point. Do you, I don't want to say, it sounds so ridiculously privileged to be like, you hit rock bottom, of, of course you didn't, mm. but you hit a stage in life that you weren't happy with and you're like, right, I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. When you have those experiences, it just, I think, encourages that, yeah. okay, I'm just going to jump head first into whatever it is. For, for sure. In, in like nine, like in as big of a scale of like moving to a different yeah. rich continent, but in on a more like smaller scale, uh, I still do that. You know, I still head out to the mountains for two, three days and, and that's sort of my escape is like, you know, disconnect, you know, the icing trip is one of them, but like, you know, even just going on a, on a weekend hiking, you know, um, that allows me to, to do that, mm. but on a sort of more regular basis. Um, yeah, basically. And on that, um, not caring what other people think or caring less, I suppose, about what other people think, you were quite active on the putting your work in terms of your photography out into the public domain on Instagram, mm-hmm. like relatively early on. I know like these days it's more and more common that people have like a side hustle, whether it's a running profile or a cake baking profile mm-hmm. or whatever profile it is. It's more of a common thing now. Um, you were quite early on that bandwagon. Did that come with a lot of anxiety in terms of putting your work out into the public to essentially be judged? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember few years ago maybe two three years ago like I was so sort of um, I don't know what you want to call it dragged into this whole mm. I need to be posting three times a week or four times a week and because it was like I was in the mindset of you know I need to get more followers because that that's what's important to, to grow my business or whatever and, and so um, and in that sense you know that comes with your posting and then but is it the right thing and is it perfect which obviously doesn't exist mm. and and but then over time I think what allowed me to sort of get away from that is the fact that I'm able to run my business without Instagram nice and so and Instagram actually was never part of the equation from the beginning actually yeah and so I'm like actually so now I like barely post on Instagram and if I do post something it's you know I don't really care if I get one like or t- or you know 10 likes or 100 likes you know it doesn't yeah. matter to me anymore um, so I think that allowed me to get away from that mentality of, you know, being overly nervous of uh, what I put out there. But however, what... Did that transition over time though? Like initially, yeah. like, oh my God, if this doesn't get X number of likes, yeah. well, this is well, just tragic. Now that's transitioned with my clients in the sense that, um, let's say I've, I produce a video for a client and I, I send the first cut to them and I'm waiting for feedback. Like that waiting for feedback is like anxiety inducing. Yeah. Because most, like, 99% of the time, they're, like, happy with the work. Or there's, like, minor feedback, you know. But, like, you just get in your own head. And you're, like, you know, even if they take, like... And, of course, they're going to take their time to, like, review it. Mm. But, you know, the longer they take, it's, like, the more it's, like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? Yeah. Is, is it, is, it's terrible. Like, you're just, like, oh, I've done, like, a bad work. Yeah. And, like, they're going to, like, rip it to shreds and they're not going to be happy with it. So that just still... I'm still working on that. So that dynamic is something that um 
the whole idea of, you know, find something you love to do and you never have to work another day in your life. Obviously, I get the logic behind Mm. it, but I would counter argue that and say that's not necessarily always the case because if you become reliant on something for income, Mm -hmm. you suddenly have a very different relationship with it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, if you love going to the gym, it might seem a logical decision to become a PT, Mm -hmm. but then if you need to spend all your life in the gym, you suddenly have a very different relationship with it. For sure. Complete side note, I remember... um, when I was like a teenager, I hated waking up in the morning, hated it, as most people do. So I was like, right, I need to make this process as easy as possible. So I set my alarm clock to a song that I really, really liked, mm. but it didn't make... What was the song? Wake... It was um, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. I knew it was going to be Oasis. fucking classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but instead of enjoying waking up more, I began to resent the song more. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So... Do you feel that almost um, being reliant on your passion for income mm-hmm. and especially in moments where you're waiting on that feedback, does that come at the detriment to your enjoyment of photography or do you just like, this is just part of the process and I love doing it? Uh, no, I, I think it's just part of the process. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's just part of the process and it's just... I just need to sort of work on the fact that it's just, you know, getting in my own head about it and just sort of um, acknowledging that, you know, clients are going to give feedback and it's okay. Yeah. You know, and that's just, that's just part of the process. That's just how it is. And not to get in my own head about it, but to the, to your point about, you know, working and not working or like not working another day of your life because you're doing what you love. um, You know, it's, I think you even if you're raking in cash, right? You're making shit ton of money. Um, you're still going to be working, right? Mm. But I think, I think what's important is to make time for non-work stuff. Because yes. especially as like, an entrepreneur, it's so easy to get dragged into like, just working literally seven days a week. And, so it, and, and on top of that, like, I think COVID, what COVID taught, not only entrepreneurs, but like, actually everyone, especially when you had to go start working from home, it's to set those boundaries for yourself and, you know, create your own schedule because you're not getting, you're in one space, your, your home is your office. Um, and that's just true of entrepreneurs, whether it was COVID or not, because you don't necessarily have an office, you mostly work from home. And so you have to set those boundaries, the schedules. And, and that was a, a huge learning curve for me. And what I've learned is that at least the way that works for me is I prioritize my uh, non-work activities and then I essentially build in my work around that. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Probably the other way around to how most people look at it. Exactly. Here's my work, whatever time that is, I'm going to do my hobbies outside of that time. Yeah, it'd be like, for other people, it'd be, you know, I have, whatever, a nine to five. Yeah. I have an hour or two hour lunch break. I'm going to take one of those hours to go to the gym. Yeah. But that already restricts you because... Yeah. And I know it's not as easy said, it's not easily done with a nine to five, but at least from an entrepreneurial point of view, you have that flexibility. So, you know, I would schedule in, you know, um, climbing in the afternoons and then work around that. And sure, it eats up on your hours, your weekly hours of work. But actually what I found for myself is that um, it made me more productive Mm. because all of a sudden I got less 
hours to do my actual work. So I'm like, okay, it's crunch time. Let's get this work done so I can go climbing because that's non-negotiable for me. I have to go climbing in in this afternoon. So let's get all this work done. That's really interesting. It's, uh, shit, is it Parkinson's law? It's like a task will take the time allocated to do it. I I don't know, but I've heard of it. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, it's basically that. And and recently I'm, I'm... transferring that to on a bigger scale with uh with traveling uh, so rather than saying oh i don't know if i could go on that road trip on that three-week road trip in november because um i don't know how my the end of year is gonna look like financially mm. right rather than thinking that way i flip it around be like i'm going on that road trip and i'm just going to trust the process and trust myself because mm. i've i've had two years of experience and i, I can yeah. trust myself yeah. that i know it's going to be i'm going to be fine and work my shoots, my work around that trip. And so I'm, it's a, I'm testing it out, but I think so far I'm confident and that's gonna work because... It's a really interesting approach because you're not just doing it with some deluded sort of self-belief. Mm. You have like a couple of years of evidence that mm. you are making a living for yourself out of your business. So quite right that you have the confidence to then go and structure your life that way. Right. Um, what sort of activities do you do or prioritize out with your work? Um, so I, I do cross, CrossFit. So I, that's like in the morning. So it's before work. I don't even, it's become such a normal for me to go to the gym or work out early in the morning before work that I don't even, it's sort of, I don't even consider it my weekly schedule because it's, yeah. it's early, it's early. It's like out, you know. Yeah, um, just get it done. Yeah, my, my day starts at eight when I start work, not when I go to CrossFit before that. Yeah. So, but I, I do that, but I, I try and squeeze in like basically either an extra cro- CrossFit session in the afternoons or I go climbing in the afternoons. Uh, and that typically takes like an hour or two in my afternoons. Um, why CrossFit? Why climbing? Um... So CrossFit because so when I stopped playing rugby, um, I still obviously wanted to work out, and um, two reasons why I went to CrossFit is one, um, so I, I I continued going to like a commercial gym before I went to CrossFit. Like between stopping rugby and CrossFit, I I just kept going to commercial gym on my own, and I just didn't have a structure or a sense of why I was going to the gym because. Before when I played rugby, I'd go to the gym to supplement rugby, basically. Yes. No, nothing else, right? Yeah. I would go to the gym to get stronger on the rugby pitch. Yeah. Um, now that rugby was out of the picture, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I felt lost to the gym. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like, what am I even doing? Yeah. And so CrossFit basically gave a bit more structure to it. Yeah. You know? More purpose. Yeah, more purpose. For a reason. For a reason, kind of, yeah. At least at the beginning. At the beginning. And the other thing is, it gave it... Um, rugby is a community right and so you don't have that anymore also from one day to the next you don't have that community yeah and so crossfit gives you that community or like a sense of a bit of a community because yeah when you go to 6 a.m class it's mostly always the same people that show up so you make friends and they become your friends basically because you always see the same faces from monday to friday so that that was huge for me i, I needed that absolutely because that was very important to me for in rugby um and Maybe another third one, which is which is a good segue for the climbing thing, is is sure you know part of CrossFit a lot of the movements you know like the strength you know squats and stuff that like I'd done before, but a lot there was a lot of new movements that I'd never done in my life, and sort of learning a new thing was actually very pleasing and like 
it was very humbling because mm. especially like I played rugby for 20 years so you do one, and nothing else like so you do one sport the, you, your whole life really and you know it sort of really well and you go to like this new thing <laughs> that you don't know and it's it's actually so nice to get humbled in that way and you sort of start from square one and it's actually really nice to like not know anything about something it's Drawing parallels, it's similar to the Iceland trip again in terms of like feeling yeah, small it is. because it's very easy when you become good at something, yeah. to, your ego to get out of control. But yeah. when you start something afresh, it just gives you that perspective yeah. that you're like... Yeah, and, and to draw another parallel is that it gets you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because you've never done it. You, you're new. You're... So many parallels. Like you, yeah. you, 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 you're afraid to like fail and yeah. get judged for not being good and all those things and it doing those things will allow you to just grow as a person and so that goes into the same way like of climbing is um so why climbing to, again two like two reasons is that um so I, I love hiking um but um hiking sort of not to sound again too privileged but like sometimes wasn't enough so uh, like my long-term goal is to do more like mountaineering stuff so you know like summit peaks and stuff and you kind of have to combine like hiking and climbing um so that's one of the reasons you know getting to climbing to to learn those skills and then the other one was again similar to the crossfit is that i kind of want to learn something new something very different that i've never done before and climbing seemed like fun and it is fun and it just yeah it just gets you in such a different mindset that crossfit or rugby and yeah, for the same reasons as, you know, the, those new movements in CrossFit, yeah. it's just very humbling to, to learn something new. It's quite good as well because you've got the community sport of CrossFit, mm-hmm. which appreciate is still individual in a way, but there's a sense of community and you can do for team sure. events. Um, but then you've got the climbing, which is more individual yeah. in a way. So you've got a nice balance between it is. the two. And it's, it's like climbing is nearly... I, I consider like nearly meditative oh, because you're, 100%. you know, sure you're, you're with a partner who's belaying you, you know, and, but when you're on the wall, you're, it's just you and your own thoughts and you're like, you have to slow, a bit like jujitsu this morning, you have to slow down. Yeah. Um, and cause you, if you rush, you get out, you literally get out of breath and you like, yeah. you gas Especially out. Especially when I'm choking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But similar to climbing, you know, you sort of have yeah. to slow down, yes. control your breathing and Think about your next move yeah. and then the next move and then the next move until you reach the top, basically. One by one. And if you're thinking about um, an email from a client or yeah. something stupid that you said earlier, yeah. then you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. So it almost, to your point, it forces you to be present, which is really? unbelievably meditative. So good. Yeah. And it's funny to, that you say that about, you know, sort of, um, you know, think about work or whatever. I've done, so that's one of the reasons why I work out in the mornings because the work day hasn't started yet. Mm. So I don't have those like thoughts, but funnily enough, I have like tried working out midday and I do get those thoughts like, oh, I need to reply to that email and stuff. And I just don't get a good session. But with climbing, I go climbing like at the end of the day or midday. And funnily enough, I actually don't get those thoughts because I'm so in the present moment of like, what's the next hold and where do I put my feet next? That everything literally just flies out the window and just, that's all I'm focused on. And it's actually, it's the first time I think about this now. It's actually amazing in that sense. Amazing. Yeah. That was my um, big problem with just, I suppose, lifting weights, especially if you're not doing it for a purpose, for example, if you're not doing it for a specific sport, such as Mm jujitsu or rugby or whatever it is, is because there's the downtime between sets, 
mm-hmm. you can just go through the motions of right lift eight fucking reps mm. and then you've got like 30 seconds a minute off and your mind can just wander yeah. and you can come out of the gym sometimes feeling even worse about yeah. yourself especially if you're lifting for like reasons of insecurity yeah. um whereas if you're doing something that's more focused and you have to have full concentration mm. on it, again mm-hmm. it's, you're saying like jiu-jitsu this morning is like unbelievably benefit beneficial you're not just getting the physical benefits yeah. but the kind of mental emotional ones for as well sure. I wanted to uh, go back to a point that we didn't really um, sort of finish talking about is the the what, um, why, what made me do the leap, like make, make the leap to make the move to Canada. Yeah. Because uh, that was quite important. But basically, so uh, once I got my work permit, how it works is you have a, a year to activate it. So I was like, oh, I'll wait a year because wh- why wouldn't I? I can just sort of get back in my comfort zone, like all snugly, you know, <laughs> and, um, my comfort zone. yeah, literally. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, my sort of reason where I was like, oh, I can just sort of save a little bit of money, a bit more money basically. And then, um, I caught up with a, a friend of mine, Scott, who at that time had just moved to Luxembourg, similar kind of scenario. He literally moved to a different country to start a new business. And he told me what someone had told him and what made him do that move. But he told me, we just had a coffee catch up and I was, he was like, oh, so what's up with Canada and everything? I was like, oh, you know, I've got my thing, but I'm going to wait a bit longer. And he's like, you know, you want to go to Canada, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, then what are you doing about it? Yeah. And like that phrase to this day stu- stuck with me. He's like, what are you doing about it? And I was yeah. like, yeah, you're right. What am I doing about it? Nothing right now. So like, yeah, I should just book that ticket and just go as soon as I can. Boom. Yeah. Wise and, words. Yeah. So good. Seriously. Yeah. Shout out to Scott Brown. <laughs> um... And what you are doing about dinner is going to have a nice pizza at Chef Herneman's. Chef Hernie's. Um, so I'm absolutely terrible at wrapping these things up, but I want to say thank you for coming uh, on. Yeah, um, I love your outlook towards life. You get absolutely stuck in. Mm-hmm. You just grab each day by the horns and I love it. And one final plug for your Instagram page and photography business. Yeah. yeah. Saman Reservoir Photography. Yeah, that's the one. one not to go to. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Calum. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, yeah. All good. Pre- Final plug. Let's finish on uh, on your Instagram page and then we'll wrap up. So that's what, people, uh, yeah, that's what people um, will remember and take away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to check out my work, it's uh, Saman RZPR. At, so, so, Saman, at Saman RZPR. At Saman RZPR on Instagram. Boom. Follow, like, leave a comment, <laughs> yeah. share. Desperate for yeah. all of that. Please. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cheers, dude. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.